Welcome to the Pat Mayo Experience, presented by DraftKings 2021, the Memorial Tournament. Research, stats, quick preview for you. We'll be breaking it down by the field, by the course, by the course history. We'll run the model, maybe try to guess the odds for the time that this actually comes out. I don't know what has happened at Colonial or over in Denmark as of yet, but I hopefully think it's going to be good news. Fingers crossed it's going to be great news this week. I could use one. I know a lot of you out there could use one as well, so... You know, I hope to see some green screens come Sunday. Allie's coming my way. If it's not going to be me, I hope it's going to be one of you. Remember to smash the like button for the episode. And off the hop, first player that pops to your mind that you do not want to use at Jack's Course at Muirfield Village this week. Throw that into the comment section, rate and review the podcast. And if you're looking for the Listener's League link, 3,000 spots once again this week, that seems to be the sweet spot. 3,000 spots in the PME DraftKings Open. It fills super quickly. Three max entry, $15 to play. No rake, thus making it the best tournament on DraftKings. You can find the link in the description of the video and podcast. Two notes for this week. I'll have my full complement of shows, obviously, but I'm going to throw the links in the description this week. Uh, There's full French Open coverage every single day. It's going to be quick picks up on the Daily Fantasy Sports Picks and Bets, the Mix podcast. Also on that podcast feed, along with just, you know, the video feed on Mayo Media Network. You can find the European Tour Picks and Bet Show. It is the German event this week, and Germany has enforced some really bizarre restrictions on who can and who cannot play in this tournament because of COVID protocols, I think. But it's going to start on Friday, and it's only going to be a three-round event. So Paul Casey and Abraham Answer were supposed to go over and play this. I don't know if they're doing that anymore. They're sponsored by Porsche. It's like the Porsche German Open or something like that. So they, they are contractually obligated to go play, but we'll see if they can actually get into the country. Sky and Tom will have the full preview for that. I'm thinking on Tuesday evening or Wednesday evening this week. It won't be the normal Monday slot because the tournament is back a day. So please, Daily Fantasy Sports, picks and bets the mixed. Rate it five stars once you subscribe to it. And even if you don't care about all the stuff, it's the feed that we use at Mayo Media Network for all of our short form content. So you want your quick MMA picks? Boom, it's on there. You want your quick soccer picks, French Open picks, NASCAR picks, European golf picks. It's all up on that feed. And sometimes I contribute as well with special shows. So we'll see how that ends up going. So please go subscribe to that right now. The field for Jack's tournament, not quite as strong as the super fields from 2020, but we're likely never going to see that again. So what we're left with is a pretty strong field anyway. You got Rom returning to defend his title. And remember how hard Memorial played last year? Uh, it was the work day. It played pretty easy. Morikawa beat Justin Thomas in that playoff. And just going back and looking at the work day, since we're never going to see that again, Justin Thomas made every single one of his putts inside eight feet for the entire week. That is crazy, especially because it's Justin Thomas. And, you know, he barely makes all of his putts from inside three feet. They did every single one inside of eight feet, which kind of blew my mind when I was looking at it. But Rom played a significantly more difficult course the week after. It was Rom and Ryan Palmer at the top of the leaderboard. Uh, Finau was up there. Willett was up there for a bit before he absolutely tanked. Fitzmagic had a fantastic round in brutal conditions. It was the most difficult round on tour, the fourth round at Memorial a year ago since the 2015 final round at Torrey Pines. That was the year that Snedeker posted on Sunday afternoon. And then the leaders had to end up like 
it was just a shit show on Sunday, and then the leaders had to come back on Monday morning and finish it off. Sned's just 24 hours posted a number. He was like three under in like the hardest conditions possible. The field average was around 78, and he ended up winning the event. So that's how he has that victory at Torrey Pines. It's one of his two victories at Torrey Pines when it came down to it. And that's what we saw last year. Rom ended up holding on. Remember, he had the weird... Uh, he moved the ball. He was assessed the two-stroke penalty. I think it was on number 16, that really difficult par three that people were like, I think Phil laid up on it, where he just hit it out to the right and be like, yeah, I'm not getting it there. And Rom flew it uh, and chipped it in, but then he got assessed the two-stroke penalty after the fact because, you know, a little blade of grass move, which didn't seem like anyone could see it with their actual eye. It took like Konica Minolta vision in order to zoom in and actually see it. So that's what happened there. The field, so it's Rom. Then you got Spieth, Xander, Thomas, Bryson, Rory. Pretty stacked up top. And even still in the top tier, Reed, Cam Smith, Hovland, Finau, Fitzmagic, uh, that is Matthew Fitzpatrick. If you don't know, Louis Oosthuizen, Cam Smith, Cantlay, who's a former winner, Morikawa, Hideki, another former winner, Sungjae, and Suga, Shane, Lowry. That's the top tier. But even the second tier of names that you're going to know who, you know, maybe they're vets who can put it all together or up-and-comers who can actually have that breakthrough win. This has been a site of a lot of breakthrough wins over the year. Like, we saw Hideki breakthrough here and Cantlay and Bryson over the years. So it wouldn't be a st- wouldn't be shocking to see one of these guys actually pull it through. But you have Scheffler, Neiman, Homa, I guess he already's had, he's had his breakthroughs, Grio, Connors, uh, Zalatoris, but then you also have like former winner Matt Kuchar, Vic Perez is playing, Woodland, Hoffman, Wallace, Adam Scott, Jason Day, Billy Ho, Bubba Watson, Leishman, Kevin Nunn's a good field. Lucas Ibel, Ken Takumi, Kanada, and Antoine Rosnay are all in because they are the money leaders on their respective tours. Then you got Tigala, Joe Long, and Tyler Strafasi. Uh, They're in based on their amateur play over the past year. Joe Long, still an amateur. He won the British amateur, uh, so he has the invite to Memorial. Only 120 players in this field. Very similar to Colonial this week, where you have these shrunken fields. We had so many weeks in a row with 156 players. We now are back to these invitational status tournaments that are really, really small. So once again, it's top 65 in ties. Make the cut. We saw in most tournaments on DraftKings at Colonial, it was around a 22 to 30% 6 of 6 rate. In the $5 double up, I believe it was a 67% 6 of 6 rate. So unless one of the big top-owned players just absolutely bombs, which can happen at Memorial. It can be pretty tough here at Mirfield Village from time to time. I'd expect it to play somewhere between Workday and what we saw last year. Probably not going to be as difficult as last year. I'm just throwing that out there right now. It's never really been that difficult before. They really wanted to make it a tough test after guys kind of took it apart the week before with the advanced tees, and they just burnt the place to a crisp. Everything ran so fast. And then you got like 30 mile per hour gusts on Sunday. So it was just the worst of all worlds when it came down to it. So for those guys, that's really what I'm thinking here, that you're probably going to see around a 15, 20% six of six, unless Rom misses the cut or Rory misses the cut or whoever it might be at the very top. One or two of those guys misses, and then all of a sudden you know, you're dealing with a completely different scenario. Let's jump over to the course itself. Obviously, I mentioned it. It is Mirfield Village. 
It is longer this year, because if you recall, during the broadcast towards the very end, you would see Rom play his final hole, and then you'd see the grounds crew come out onto the green and just start ripping up all the grass. They've replaced all the tee boxes, all the greens, all the fairways from a year ago, and they've added around 100 yards to the course. It's now going to play as 7,543 yards, bent grass uh, with a bit of poem mixed in, par 72, uh, the former winners of this event. Rom at minus nine, Cantlane minus 19, Bryson minus 15, Duff Daddy minus 13, William Dirt McGirt minus 15, David Lingmurth minus 15, take me to your leader. And then you have Hideki at minus 13 and Matt Kuchar at minus 12. A lot of guys who played really well at TPC Sawgrass over the years, guys that have played pretty well uh, at the Farmers Insurance Open as well, if you go back and look at it. It's kind of, you know, piecing together a few, but a lot of these guys have had a lot of success uh, at Sawgrass over the years. So that is, I wouldn't say it's a, like a complete correlation by any means. Uh, farmers and API are the logical crossovers when you think about it, because the rough is always so, so penal at Memorial. Huge fairways, though. Uh, so it's pretty easy to hit. As you can see, uh, I'm on fantasynational.com right now, by the way, if you want to search through all of these numbers. FantasyNational.com slash Mayo will get you your 20% off. The U.S. Open is coming up, so you should probably go check that out. Yeah, you got the Windy as F in the first round last year. It says moderate. I'm pretty sure. I, I guess it hung below the number on average, but you had these huge gusts that ended up coming out. Uh, they generally play, I mean, they were a bit firm last year in rounds three and four as the course continued to bake itself out. But generally, they're around average in terms of how firm this course plays. Uh, hitting fairways, uh, it was difficult last year, a lot because of the wind and a lot because, again, they baked it out and people were just rolling it through. Historically, been pretty easy on the whole to hit fairways here just because they're so large. Uh, last year's tournament really played a, just a very different way than you're actually used to seeing in years previous. It's going to be longer than 7,400 yards now. Uh, you know, We'll have to track the weather throughout the week, uh, and the green speed is always fast. The rough is always long. That is one of the main components of this course. And if we take a look at the course breakdown, you'll see it's a big strokes gained approach course. No big shocker there. Uh, but off the tee means a lot less than you would think. Then a course that would play so long, even as a par 72, ball strikers actually, ball striking actually outweighs short game uh, when you combine off the tee and approach versus around the green and putting. You're going to need a pretty balanced skill set by and large. Let's take a look at the top five instead of the top 10. See how pronounced that get? Yeah, approach goes way up the list. Uh, you almost have to average 1.5 strokes gain per round at this event and gain around a stroke putting. So what you're looking for, if you're trying to build out your perfect golfer this week, uh, that would have a chance to come inside the top five. You want around like 1.5 strokes gained off the tee. You're going to want around six strokes gained on approach, around four strokes gained putting, and two around the green. And then you can kind of make that up, make up the difference somewhere else. If you gain zero off the tee, well, you want to gain eight on approach or gain six in putting. But if we just look at the numbers, that's what that is telling us of where you want your guys to finish for the week in all of those categories. Taking a quick look at the showdown, DraftKings purposes here to see if there's any sort of birdie runs that we can get through. Now, the final three holes are incredibly difficult, so you're not going to see any 16 or 17, 18, and 1 wraparounds. That's probably not going to happen, so you can start your guys anywhere. Maybe you get a chance uh, at 8, 9, 10, 9, 10, 11, or yeah, I mean, 10, 11, 12, everyone has the opportunity for that. But 8, 9, 10, it's going to be tough because number 10 is incredibly difficult, as you can see. The third toughest hole on the course, only a 10% birdie rate 
on that. But number 11 is a par 5, so that's a little bit easier. So you know, I don't think that there's much of a difference. You probably don't have to worry about that whatsoever. Pretty flat distribution of your average shots. As you can see that there are six. There might now even be seven with the new scorecard of par 4s between 450 and 500 yards. So you're just going to see the majority, not the majority, the plurality of shots at 20% come from 150 to 175. Then 175 to 200, you're going to see around 22% um, over time to based on this distribution. Oh, sorry, 17.5% uh, from the 23% uh, from 150 to 175. I've actually weighted, when we look at the model, 175 a little bit higher, just because I believe that those are more difficult shots uh, than the uh, 150 to 175. I think 175 to 200 is a bit more important, um, especially with the greens and regulation rate being so low here, only 62% versus a tour average of 66%. Scrambling, very difficult this course, only 52% versus is 58% on tour average. Driving accuracy, super high. It's 69% versus 62%. And as you can see, the historic cut line, it was minus one in 2016. That is the only time it has been below par. Uh, that's dating back to 2003. So if your guys are plus two, plus one, they're probably going to end up making the weekend when all is said and done. The big one for me here, as you can see, the average green regulation proximity of the hole, a lot smaller than it would be on average, but it's just so hard to hit greens and regulation uh, that that's sort of a misleading stat. So if guys are firing with their irons, that's why you can see these are really small greens, much like Colonial in that sense, that if guys do hit green and regulation, they're probably going to have a pretty makeable birdie putt, almost regardless of where they're going to be. You're going to see a lot of approaches inside 30 feet if they do hit a green in regulation. The hardest part about this course, digging through the shot link data that I found, is if you get yourself stuck in a bunker at this course, then you're going to end up, um, especially the green side bunkers, their average proximity to the hole getting out of them, super long versus almost any other course. In fact, versus every other course. It has the longest proximity getting out of green side bunkers of any course on the PGA Tour. So that means you can kind of play it one of two ways. One, you know, play the good iron players, and that's why the strokes gained approach numbers are really reflected here, that they just keep themselves out of those bunkers. Or you target guys that can get themselves out of the bunkers adequately adequately enough and actually clean up their mess. If you have bad bunker players, it's gonna be a bit of a problem. Because I was looking at Corey Connors at this course, because the one thing where driving distance isn't super pronounced here, uh, you see some bombers win, but you also see a lot of short hitters win too, that Corey Connors actually sets up really well. I might go with him anyway, because you know I've seen, although Ben Ann's short game is really good, maybe he does need to improve his sand saves. Anyway, when we get into the modeling, we'll check that out. I do want to scan the tournament history uh, before we get into it, so we'll go back to that here in a second. There we go. And you can see, let's take a look at last year. That was the year that uh, Bryson won. Ben Ann lost in the playoff there. Cantlay has the fourth and the first. But if we just go by strokes gained total over the past five years, Cantlay Streelman, who's playing some really good golf right now, uh, even at Colonial, he's playing pretty well going into the weekend. I don't know what has happened since. Kuchar, Leishman, and Duffner. Duffner having a very poor round three, at least at last check for me, but two top tens the past five years. Scott, Ben Ann, Ricky Fowler, Jason Day, Jordan Spieth, by and large, especially Cantlay now. Um, I mean, in 2008, when he came fourth, he was still working on his short game. It really improved from 2017 to 2018. Now he's one of the best short game players on tour. So it's something that you can improve with a lot of hard work over time. But the rest of the guys, Cooch, Leash, Scott, Ben Ann, Fowler, Day, Spieth, even Finau, for Christ's sake, all really good players out of the sand. They can get it up and down. Bubba is not. Um, he has the one T6. 
Uh, Rom is a really good sand player as well. Matt Wallace is a really good scrambler. Neiman is not, and as you can see, he had the really good ball striking year, and then it kind of went backwards for him from there, because if he's not striking it pure, it's going to be really difficult for him uh, to really get into it. So we can just see last year's leaderboard of players who are in the field. Palmer's not playing, so obviously he's not included in this. Rom, Fitz, Date, Wallace, Norlander, who's kind of heating up a little bit. Mac Hughes, Finau, Kevin Na, and Patrick Reed. And if we take a deeper look into how they actually got there, you can see it was a very balanced approach from John Rom. 4.2 off the tee, 5 on approach, 6.3 around the greens and 2.3 putting. I think those numbers actually work out to what I did earlier, just they came in different departments. Palmer just was smashing his irons. Fitzpatrick made every single putt. It's funny that his short game let him down a little bit. Wallace's did not. He chipped and putted the lights out, did not have the irons working whatsoever, but it just played so hard that it does become important. Like if you're not going to hit your irons well, you better be good around the greens. Uh, and that's really all it comes down to. Patrick Reed is going to be an interesting play this week only because he missed the cut at colonial and we just seen this with patrick reed over the years where he plays longer harder courses really really well as you can even see at memorial he's never missed the cut in five starts two top tens uh four top 30s the approach is the thing that's really going to make or break him when it comes down to it but uh you can never really glean too much from patrick reed's stats as we've seen over time solely because he can have a bad week then he have a good he, he, then he has a good week he's not one of these players where you see him get in form it's like oh here he comes here he comes. He's progressively getting better each and every week. And then boom, he ends up coming through. He's not really that guy. He'll go from like miscut, like in the worst possible way to winning the next week. Just did he decide to show up and be top five player in the world, Patrick Reed that week, or just some random it's Sung Jay is very much in the same ilk as Patrick Reed at that point. He also missed the cut on the number at the colonial where, you know, sometimes he's just going to show up and you're like, Oh, he's got it all together this week. Fuck. I don't have him. That's generally the reaction that you get. I don't know how much I want to take away from 2020, however, when we look at the overall numbers. Again, I just think it played a lot harder than you're normally going to see. We looked at the conditions. They were so much firmer and like hitting fairways, very difficult. That's just not what we're used to seeing at this course. So it's probably more instructive to go back and look at 2019 uh, over the years. And even when we look back at the past champions who I mentioned, like Rom is a bomber, but he has a good all-around game. Then you have like some of these short hitters, like Duffner's not a big hitter. Good off the tee, but not a big hitter. William McGirt, not a big hitter. Decent off the tee because he gets a lot of fairways. Lingmurth, Kucher, you can throw them into that category where they're shorter players, but just, you know, they have so much fairway acumen that they're not going to put themselves into a lot of trouble. And they all have pretty good, I mean, Duffner does not have a good short game, but he just struck the shit out of the ball that year uh, and was everywhere. Then he was making putts too, I think. So that's always something you can get with Duffner. If it's the week where he can actually make putts, watch out. Because if you just go back and look like historically at this course, Tigers won five times, but it's a lot like the 2021 or the 2012 PGA Championship when we were scouting that for Kiowa Island. It's like, yeah, Rory's Rory won by a whole bunch. What does that tell us? Absolutely nothing. That great players, when they play well, are going to win by a whole bunch. And that's kind of the case every single week. What does the rest of the leaderboard tell you? What sorts of players pop up at that point? Well, it wasn't the same players, obviously, 10 years later. It was kind of the same sort of player, just 10 years in the future. You had your grinding Euros and Lowry and Patty Harrington and even Phil, who's an old man. He was able to get it done. You had your one big bomber up there with a good short game in the Rory vein and Brooks Kepka, Louis, who's just kind of an all-around type guy, a bit older at that point. Just the older players deal with the conditions a little bit better. They don't let it rattle them like a lot of the young players. They have so much experience going through that. So that's something to put to 
into your notes about Kiowa Island the next time we see it, which I have no idea when the next time we see it will be. So this is 2019. You can see the approach play. Streelman, Keimer, Scott, and Cantlay, who ended up winning. Great across the board. Scott was pretty good across the board, just didn't gain enough with his putter to really get it done. Spieth has had a really good run at this tournament over the years as well, even when he hasn't been good Spieth, which is pretty interesting. You can see as the third in 2015, 13th in 2017, the last two years, like he hasn't been the Spieth that we remember, but he came seventh and 13th anyway. The approach was really good last year. The around the green has been immaculate two years in a row and the approach has been bad, but I mean, the way that he's hitting his approaches right now and the fact that he's not killing himself with his driver he might be the favorite when we get to the odds. I mean, depending on how he does at Colonial, if he wins Colonial, he will be the favorite at this tournament. But let's say he comes in third or something like that. He might actually have to share it with Rory or whoever else might be up there. Let's see if there's anything else we can take away from 2018. That was the year that Bryson ended up winning back before he was big, beefy Bryson feuding with Brooks. This was really a breakthrough win for him. Beat Kyle Stanley and Byung-Hun Ann in a playoff. Kyle Stanley is another one, a very good player off the tee by and large because he hit so many fairways. And you just have to hope that he shows up and putts one of the weeks because the approach is usually pretty good. He's having a decent week at Colonial, too. Then you see the rest of it. There's the Neiman week. You can see the strokes gained approach, strokes gained around the green. Not great, Bob, but he putted the shit out of the ball that week. What, are you leading putting? He was fourth in putting behind Patrick Rogers, J.B. Holmes, and Julian Surrey. What an eclectic mix of players. I think Surrey's like missing cuts and the maiden Denmark open now. Kind of crazy. Who else is up there? Fowler is up there. Maybe if you're buying into the Fowler Rebirth, you can go that way. Who are some other names? Hoagie kind of pops up. Stenson. Stenson killed me this week, by the way. Him and Denny McCarthy. Well, give my head a shake playing Denny McCarthy. Woodland's a player who's had uh, a decent amount of success at this tournament. It feels like, and maybe I'm wrong about that. Let's see. Memorial. 22nd. He has the 1-4th in 2016. Uh, and then he just kind of makes the cut every year. Been very good on his approaches at this course, but the driver has really let him down, which uh, if we just take a zoom out on Gary Woodland recently, it's been hit or miss. Boom. It's been feast or famine off the tee, really, when it comes to Gary Woodland. You know, minus 2.3, plus 2.7, plus 2.8, plus 1.8, minus 0.5, plus 2.9, minus 0.9, minus 4.4. So you don't, it's a mixed bag. You can catch him on a good driving week. The rest of the game kind of looks good enough right now at a place where he's been pretty comfortable over the years. Let me take a quick break so I can tell you about another great show on the Mayo Media Network. It is Daily Fantasy Sports Picks and Bets The Mix. You can find all of the links to that podcast down in the description of the video or podcast that you're listening to right now. I highly recommend that you subscribe, rate, and review. Five stars, say something nice about the show. That always helps out all of us at Mayo Media Network. It's going to be a good week. UFC is coming back. We're going to have everyday French Open coverage with bets that you can go along with. They're going to be super short shows, so it won't take up too much of your time. Plus, Euro this week is going to be pushed down a little bit further because it is in Germany. Uh, and Sky and Tom will have the full European tour breakdown for you on that feed as well. All videos available on Mayo Media Network. So please, if you haven't done that yet, please go subscribe. So to go into the stat model and see what I've dug up for you this week, I actually adjusted it. Uh, this time around, because I had altered it uh, new for 2021. Strokes gained off the tee, 10%. I also have fairways gained at the bottom at 5% to put an extra emphasis on that. Strokes gained approach, 25%. Par 4s, 450 to 500 yards, the hardest holes on the course. They are going to be a 
15% lean for me. Par fives are 5%. Sand saves, 10%. Putting, 5%. Opportunities gained, 5%. If guys can really get it dialed in, this is the one that I was going to change, the 150 to 175. I'm going to change that to 175 to 200. Like like I said, again, I just think that those are going to be more difficult uh, in terms of the difficulty of these approaches. So I'm going to weight those at 10%. And let's just see what the numbers tell us right away. We're running this over the past 50 rounds. Come on, be someone good. Be someone good. Come on. Someone I want, to, it's probably going to be Rahm or Rory. Let's see. Oh, good. Tringali seventh. Hovland is number one. Okay. He missed the cut here in uber difficult conditions, but tore it up at the workday the week before. Let's see. Hovland, Shoffley, Morikawa, Keegan. Keegan's an interesting name here. Louis, Connors, Tringali, Thomas, Charlie Hoffman, Rory McElroy. Will Zalatoris, Patrick Reed, Joaquin Neiman, John Rahm, Jordan Spieth, Bryson Cantlay, Kirk, Finau, Cam Smith, and Matthew Fitzpatrick. I'd probably get back on the Cam Smith bandwagon. I'm not done with him yet. He's number one in sand saves over that time. The best players over the past 50 rounds in sand saves gained against the field. Uh, Cam Smith, Xander, Ben-Ann, Reed, Denny McCarthy, KJ Choi, Cbez. Oh, Bezayden had in this tournament. Didn't even know that. That's why I'm doing the research. I'm doing the research in real time with you. Uh, Tringali, Merritt, Rory, Danny Lee, Haggy. Haggy could be a pretty interesting name. Because one of the filters that you can go look at uh, down at the bottom, maybe we'll run this right now if... Past 50 rounds is probably too much. Let's take a look at past 24 rounds. And maybe it's just a Honda thing when it sticks out to me. Although you can see that Haggy has put, you know, he puts okay on bent grass over time. The short game has looked really good at points this season. As you can see, it's been spiking. And then when he's bad, like it's not really bad. It's like slightly below average. It's whether or not he can get the putter going. Yeah, he's had a good run at Honda over the years. That's going to skew his stats. But I would wager that if when I sort by the Jack Nicholas feed in how is keegan bradley done here before i get out of here i am bent grass has been his preferred putting service he's not an abject failure on that over and over he has two top tens here in 2016 and 2015 all right don't lose all of the all the strokes putting in the world we'll see how we're doing let's click on so we're on 24 rounds now and let's go around to the jack nicholas filter and just run the model you can just run the general strokes gained on that too if you want to load up fantasy national and just click on we'll go past 36 rounds for this one that'll, that'll really scrape a lot of like back like 2005 type stuff although i don't know if you want to use that or not you can set a a limiter on how far back you want to go by the way on fantasy national com. If you just do custom date range, you can set how far back you actually want to go. You know what? We'll just take it past two years. We'll go past 36 rounds, past two years on that one. We'll go back to the to the model and see what that does. Past 24 rounds on Jack courses. We got Morikawa, Thomas, Billy Ho, Streelman, Ben Ann, Cantley, Henley, Spieth, Rahm, and Steele would be your top 10. And then if we just run the overall numbers, uh, we can kind of take a look and look at strokes gained total over that time, past two years on Jack Nicholas courses, Morikawa, Cantley, Henley, John Rahm, Billy Horschel, Brandon Hagee. There he is. Knew he would pop up there. Matt Jones, I guess he yeah, he won at the Honda, so that makes a lot of sense. Steel. And the Iron Chef. Iron Chef is up there. He played really well at concession. Where else did he play well? Let's find out. We'll click on his past 12 and look at the round by round for him. Yeah, concession. We have it listed as WGC Mexico, so it doesn't blow up our system. One of the rounds at the Amex. So in his past 12, is this 10 rounds, 12 rounds, four, 
for 12 rounds on Jack Nicholas courses over the past two years. He has only lost strokes total, so against the field in one of those rounds. That was the final round at last year's Memorial. So that's interesting to look into. Scotty Scheffler. No one's going to be on him after he kind of screwed off uh, big time. Maybe we can go take a look at his stats. Maybe I'll do that on the Monday show with Jeff, is really look through that. Uh, so that's really what the model is telling us right now. I'm going to click off Jack Nicholas designed courses and just try to jump a little bit into... Oh, no, I'm I'm not even on the model on that tag. Too many tabs open. You know how it is. Uh, so past 24 rounds, no Jack Nicholas filter. If we just look at the shorter term for the model that I built, you can always customize the model any way you want. Then you can save them on the right-hand side like you saw with all of mine. I try to tweak them even as the week goes along if new information presents itself or I find something that I want to look at. So the short-term modeling pops out. Keegan Connors, Xander Hoffman, Louis Hovland, Morikawa, Spieth, Reed, and Kirk. Those are the top 10. Obviously, Colonial Stats not registered yet, as that tournament is not over. Thomas, Rory, Bryson, Cantley, Wallace, the next five. Tringali, Fitz, Zalatoris, Aaron Wise, and Max Homa would round out the top 20. Sugar Shane Lowry is just kind of lurking right around there. I, I've been really digging Lowry lately. I think he's just playing so well. Uh, especially, I think he led all players off the tee at the PGA Championship. I don't think that's going to great translation over to this course necessarily, but before that, his irons have been really fire, and we just know that, by and large, over time, he is a really good scrambler. You can see strokes gained around the green, 18th. How was he out of the sand? Not great, though. 19th. Over the past 24 rounds, best players out of the sand, KJ Choi, Byung-Hun An, Xander, Leishman, Cam Smith. So Cam Smith always sticks up there. So does Sebez. Haggy has been really good out of the sand, and this isn't even with Jack Nicholas courses. This is just overall over the past 24 rounds. Haggy's been good out of the sand. Kevin Na, Troy Merritt, Matt Kuchar would be your top 10. Fratelli kind of lurks up there as well, but he's just so good around the greens anyway. Uh, the only really big discrepancy, if we look at between around the green ranking and sand ranking, Xander and Leishman are four, or sorry, three and four over the past 24 rounds. In that time around the green, if they're not in the sand, I guess they would include the sand as well. So sand and not in the sand, 59th and 88th in that number. So, uh, you know, they're better off in the sand than they are in the rough is all that's really telling me. Approach leaders, you know, Morikawa, Zalatoris, Hoffman, Sink, and Connors. Zalatoris is a really interesting one. And this is something that I put out on Twitter on Sunday. Sometimes it's really helpful to look round by round for a lot of guys because I fall into this trap a lot of the times so because I'm trying to do my research really quickly and not breaking it down on a micro level well enough whatsoever. So uh, on Fantasy National, you just click on the round numbers. You can see the round-by-round round stats. But I was just looking at this on the PGA app because I was, I was tracking guys to see how they were actually playing. And Zalatoris is a good example of this, where the first two days, the guy couldn't hit his irons whatsoever. He made the cut anyway. That's great. But you know, the driving was okay. The around the green was like out of this world, like even beyond what he's good at, the putting. Eh. But the irons were like devastatingly bad for a guy who over the past... 24 rounds is second in this field in strokes gained approach. But then I looked at his third round and all of a sudden, you know, he's back up at like 1.5. If he has a good Sunday, you know that it was just a blip. The irons are going to be okay. But when you look at it and just look at his, like when you, you go to the strokes game page and you sort by strokes gained approach, like, oh man, Will Zalatoris minus 1.2 strokes gained approach. He had a bad a week with his irons. No, he had two bad rounds with his irons. The more recent rounds that we've seen from the irons actually came back. 
Uh, I remember this very vividly because I made the bet and it actually worked out. And Dave Tyndall actually hit me up on Twitter as well to say that this is what happened to him at this event last year where he looked at Rom's numbers from round four and be like, oh, he got his shit together all of a sudden after a pretty like lousy first three rounds. Like Rom was out of this world good in ball strike. It's always really helpful if the guy putts really poorly in that round so they don't climb up the leaderboard. Uh, you know, they just had an, a weird outlier bad putting round, but the tee to green was like out of this world good for Rom. He fell down the board to 20 to one. Boom, people bet him. I didn't. Jeff did though. Uh, and won money on that just because it it was John Rom, and you could see that like oh sometimes all it takes is one round to actually come back and regain the confidence or just find your stroke again I mean it's golf like weird shit happens all the time both mentally or you're just kind of working through not necessarily a yip but you're just pulling it a little bit to the left maybe the wind didn't suit you that week and you had to get acclimated to it uh, and it took you two rounds to do it I don't know I don't know what really goes into the whole process but that worked for Rom. the big one that I actually hit was when Phil won Pebble Beach I think it was three years ago he had a really disastrous first round Round at the waste management, a place where he generally just plays really well. He was horrible, especially around the greens. He was really horrible. It was like, oh, that's not really like Phil esque. And he had a really good second round. The driving was really good. The irons were really good. The chipping was eh, it was okay. And the putting was really bad. So it masked the fact that Phil was like, oh my God, he's ball striking the shit out of the ball and no one's really paying attention to him so he actually carried that over he missed the cut no one even really thought about phil and he came in like 28 to 1 or something like that it's like hey let's bet phil this week i loved what i saw from him on friday if he can keep that going if he's found something then he's going to destroy pebble beach uh, if he hits if he hits his irons like this and then all of a sudden he starts making some putts and that's exactly what happened now these are just examples that i'm picking up where i've done this before and you know it's worked out you don't really remember the ones that don't work out. I actually have no recollection of when I've done this and it hasn't worked out. I'm sure it doesn't work out far more often than it actually does work out. But I do think that if you want to dig into the research and Fantasy National allows you to do that, that it is something if you do have the time on your hands and you really do want to dig in, I do think that looking at round by round stats, especially coming out of the last tournament, uh, just looking at round four and being like, okay, who actually sneakily had a really good day and they're being undervalued right now? Maybe they figured something out. That's an approach you can take that no one really minds, and it might lead you to some sleepers that no one else has. In fact, maybe I'm not even seeing, or no one else is seeing, but you have the ability to go find them. I think that's one of the really cool features of both fantasynational.com slash mail for 20% off, by the way. But I just think it's you know, something you should look into. Sometimes we we don't put enough stock into the micro. I remember when Ruby won, uh, I think it was the 200K at the Houston Open last year, whatever one that Carlos Ortiz won. He ran his modeling for like past eight rounds, like the most super duper current form you can have. It just popped Carlos Ortiz at the very top. If you had sorted it by 24 rounds, that never came up. But he did the very short-term modeling to see who had the hottest form coming in. He ended up on Ortiz. He won all the money on DraftKings and he bet Ortiz to win, I think, like 150 to one. So it was a great week for Ruby, but that really taught me something about we talk about sample sizes all the time. And yeah, I think there are certain things where you want to see if this player is legit over time. And that can really, that's one piece of it. But sometimes guys figure stuff out for three weeks and you just kind of have to roll with it. And maybe you're not that type of player, but I don't think that you should just completely dismiss that because it's too small of a sample. Now, golf is just going to change round to round so often that if a guy's on a heater and no one else is seeing it, I mean, if everyone sees it, it's probably a good time to avoid it. If no one sees it, that is a fantastic opportunity to build a lot of leverage for yourself on the field. So if we go back to the stat model for a second here, 
think I can get it back. All right, we're not getting back. We're not getting back to the stat model whatsoever. We're going to guess the odds is what we're going to do. And obviously, once again, a lot of this is predicated on what happens at Colonial to finish it up. Like I said, if Spieth wins, he's going to be the favorite. So here are the names that we're working with for the very top of the board. We probably get some decent numbers this week as well, solely because there are so many good players that you're going to see one of these guys fall to like 20 to 1. So we have Spieth, Rom, JT, Bryson, Rory, and Xander. That is likely going to be your top six on the betting board. Who else would sneak into that mix? Maybe Big Dick, Vic, Morikawa, Hideki, because he's a past champion here, and obviously he won the Masters. Those are probably the guys that we're looking at for the top of the betting board. You're probably going to get Finau and Cantlay coming in. I mean, Cantlay might actually get boosted back up to like 25 to 1 because he's a past champion. He just played well at the PGA Championship. It seems like a lot of his problems are now in the rearview mirror. Hopefully, small sample, mind you, of one tournament. It was a very hard tournament, and he played really well. And the ball striking at that tournament was off the charts at Kiowa. He just legit couldn't make a putt all week. So, I th- yeah, Louis, yeah. Louis's not going to be 25 to 1. He'll be like 33 or 40 to 1. Same as Fitzpatrick, same as Reed, Cam Smith, Gene Lauer. Oh, sorry. Sung Jay. Yeah, they're all going to be kind of out of there. So you're going to have Spieth, Rom, JT, Bryson, Rory, Xander, Vic, Morikawa, Hideki, and Cantley on the next level for me. Um, let's just let's pretend like Spieth doesn't win, but it just has a top five finish. He comes second or something like that. Spieth at this tournament is going to be 12 to 1. I think that's going to be his opening number. If he wins, it'll probably be 9-1. to But let's just say he doesn't, 12-1. to John Rahm comes in as the defending champion after a great Sunday at the PGA Championship. The last time that we saw him, you know Rahm's one of four players who's won in each of the past four seasons? Just four of them who've won each of the past four seasons. Kind of blew me away. You always forget about that with John Rahm. You always think like DJ and Justin Thomas. Uh, but John Rahm is also in that mix as well. I'm going to say that he is also, I'm going to say he's 10-1. to JT, I think you're going to get a bit of a break unless he really pulls through on Sunday at Colonial. We'll call him 14 to 1. We'll call Bryson also 12 to 1, tied with Spieth. And then Rory, strangely enough, I think comes in at 14 to 1. So on the betting board, I think you're going to see. Fuck it. Now, Spieth's going to be 10 to 1. Who am I kidding? Regardless if he wins or not, he's going to be 10 to 1. He's going to be the co favorite with John Rahm. They're both going to be 10 to 1. Bryson's going to be 12 to 1. Rory and JT are going to be 14 to 1. So everything's going to get pushed to the top of the board. They might try to rip you off by making Xander 18, but I'm going to say that Xander is 20 to 1. Vic and Morikawa and Hideki are all 25 to 1. And then Cantlay is 28 to 1. That's going to be my guess uh, at the opening odds on DraftKings Sportsbook for the Memorial tournament jack's course at mirfield village so i hope this helped you through and ali's getting you a start on your research for the week obviously you're going to look at different things that i do i'm going to hope to have a newsletter out this week i've been inconsistent with it but it's only really i don't want to spam your email box if i have something to say i'm going to put it out there um also if you're still watching this right now if you email the Pat Mayo experience at gmail.com. I might have a super bonus offer for you where you deposit on a site and I'll just give you the money to deposit on that site after you do it. So, and you'll collect the bonus. So you'll get free money uh, after you make your deposit and I reimburse you for that plus your bonus. So if you have any interest in that, and a lot of people have done this over the past year or so, just hit up the Pat Mayo experience at gmail.com, put free money in the 
uh, in the heading, and yeah, maybe this can apply to you, and it will really work out for your purposes. Uh, so I'm just trying to trying to build up some momentum here, if you know what I mean. Uh, French Open every single day, short videos on the mix. So please subscribe to that. Hit the description to find it. Listeners League link in there as well. I'll be back on Monday with Jeff, hopefully with a winner in hand. Probably not going to win in Euro, but I do have four guys who are within inside the top five or within two of the top five. They're a part of my each way doubles. And I have another four guys who are inside the top 10 right now at Colonial as a part of that as well. If I can get like two and two, and one of those guys is like David Horsey and the other one's like Maverick McNeely, those each way doubles are going to pay a lot of money. So I'm very excited for that. Hopefully like Bernd Wiesberger just goes away and I don't know, Scrivener wins or something like that. Then all of a sudden I'm looking in the money, but knowing me, I'm just going to win $0 because that's just the way it's been going. I'm going to break out of it soon. I'm feeling it coming along. I'm feeling the top end finishes getting closer, getting closer, getting closer. And I feel like the dam is going to break and we're going to hit some winners here soon. Normally I don't think that, but I do feel like we're on the right path right now. This tournament is going to be super tough with all of the big names that are there. So maybe we just play value at this tournament and see which one of these guys that I just mentioned out at the top 10 actually falls down the list a little bit and opens it like 40 to one, that kind of thing. Something like Neiman this week at Colonial where he opened at 40 to one, then you check back a day later and he's 25 to one that the initial odds on him. Now he's not going to win, mind you. Uh, so it was a bad bet. He didn't win, but the number seemed off. He felt like a 25 to one. He was as good as the 25 to one players in the Colonial field, but all of a sudden they were just hanging a 40 to one on him to open. It was like the Charlie Hoffman number. I got it at 55. Monday morning, look back on Tuesday morning or Tuesday afternoon, 35 to 1. Then it closes at 30, 30 to 1. Like that was an example of, you know, whether he wins or not, he's probably not going to win. But just that line was just too big for everyone. It's like how I got on Coke Rack, 65 to 1. It was just like, all right, you know, he's as good, again, as the 35 to 1 guys, and you're giving me double that number. You might as well jump on him. So I'm trying to actually assess value more than just going with the numbers and going with my gut. When it comes down to it, you know, gambling is one thing. You need to pick the winner. But if you can give yourself good value with some of these guys, that also helps you turn a corner as well. Uh, rate and review the audio podcast, smash the like for the episode, and give me the one of these big guys that you're going to fade just off the hop that you see. Dump that into the comment section and play in the Listener's League. Link is in the description. Thank you all for watching. Enjoy your weekend. I'll see you next time. Experience! Experience!